Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of Thunder and Rock and Roll. And he stole the show at AEW's inaugural event, Double or Nothing, last Saturday in Las Vegas. A five-star match for both performance, storytelling, and, of course, emotion as well. I'm talking about Dustin Rhodes. He and his brother Cody blew the roof off the MGM Grand Garden Arena and made people in the audience actually cry for real. It was such a great night for Dustin and Cody, and of course, for all of AEW and all of us involved. But today, Dustin Rhodes is sharing his journey to AEW, what it was like for him to leave WWE, how he came up with his new paint and costume, and what he hopes for his future with AEW, uh, and of course, and without WWE, which is strange for both of us. He's also telling, telling the story of the uh, origin of Goldust, the crazy street brawl match he had with Rowdy Rowdy Piper at WrestleMania 12 in Anaheim, another classic match of his. And he's talking about his dad, the great Dusty Rhodes, the troubles they had in Dustin's younger years, how they overcame that, and what his dad would say about Dustin and Cody's historic match last Saturday. So here we go. Dustin Rhodes on Talk is Jericho starts now. <laughs> You know, here's one of the reasons why I love uh, the wrestling business. Of course, AEW's big show, Double or Nothing, all of these uh, great performers on there. But stealing the show, uh, seemingly out of nowhere, but no surprise to me, was the uh, Cody versus Dustin Rhodes match. And I, I think it's such a very, very cool thing to, to have Dustin here and to be talking about how you stole the show with your brother in 2019. Uh, which is something I bet you nobody would have ever predicted if they would have said this two or three years ago. Yeah, um, I keep hearing that, man. And, you know, I, I'm looking at your match and I'm watching all these matches. I, I'm just, I was just happy to be a part of it. And me being 50 years old, I had no idea. But the stars aligned that night, you know. Right. They, they aligned for Cody and myself because there's a lot of angst over the years. And, you know, we really... We really, really fought hard to get this thing finally done. And we were just always told it's not good enough to be on the big show. And, you know, to me, that was bullshit. It was, um, it, they were wrong. And I focused so hard on this that I probably over-focused because I was so nervous because I'd been out of the ring for about eight months. But, man, it's like... As soon as the chance started, it's like we could do no wrong, man. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, The Legend of Bagger Vance. Have, have you seen that movie? I, I haven't seen it. Okay, well, the guy's playing golf, and, and, and he's trying to teach him how to get into the zone, right? And ha how to focus down, down the fairway and to not see the people. When they started chanting Dusty, this is the first time, I believe, probably in at least at least 10 years that I had felt this. Everybody in that arena, I could see them, but I couldn't see them. They all just kind of faded away, and I saw Cody, and I saw what needed to be done. I heard them, but I couldn't hear them. I was so focused and in the zone, and there was a few little things that I missed, but it didn't matter, man. It was all – everything clicked. It was there. It was awesome. They were there the whole time. I bled like a stuck pig which it's been a while since i've done that man so <laughs> like it was a little excessive but it was still okay it was it was perfect in every way for me the the probably the greatest moment i've ever had in my 31 years in the business 
Now you said so much there. I want to go back and, and touch on so many things, but there's a great uh, cartoon that you posted on Instagram today. Uh, Dustin posted on his account of like you gigging and then the, the blood just filling up the entire frame to where you're actually like, uh, like <laughs> drowning in the blood <laughs> from so much blood coming out. I mean, that was quite the uh, gig job of all gig jobs for sure. Yeah, it was. I, I had the thumbs up in that, in that little uh, meme there, you know, like I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people, I know a lot of people were worried. I was worried. You know, you, you do it and you see it start streaming out and it's like, oh no, I, I went a little bit uh, too deep. And then 10 minutes go by and you're like, now I'm kind of I'm starting to worry a little bit. And the whole ring is just red. I can't see. It's all in my eyes. I'm trying to wipe it out, but it just keeps sh- shooting out to my heartbeat. It's, it gets scary. But then after 15 minutes, I'm like, I'm going to be okay. It's mm. going to be fine. It's going to be fine. You know, and, and it was just, you, you saw the, the fans faces on the front row and in the arena, they're just like horrified, but into it and they can't take their eyes off of it. And it was incredible, man. It was so incredible. I'm so happy. So glad to be a part of that. And I hope I did Cody proud, you know? Well, and it adds so much drama to the match you know, and it's something that we kind of forget because in, in WWE, there is no there is no blood. And I think that it's pretty cool when you use that element of our business at the right time. Like there's so much drama involved with the blood coming out. And because we haven't seen it in such a long time, it's like you said, it's another thing where the stars just aligned into adding to the overall storytelling and drama of the match. Yes. And to me, it, I've always been told red on the head is green in the pocket. <laughs> and I believe that to be to be true in an extent, you know, to when it's used sparingly here and there. And it was just right in every way that night. And, you know, it might have been a little excessive, but God dang, man, it it added to that story. You felt the emotions. It was just incredible. And God, man, I mean, I can't I'm still on a huge high from this match and and just twitter has never blown up for me like that you know and you know all social media they're just going crazy and to get the dustin you stole the show from the great legendary chris jericho (laughs) means a lot to me and i i appreciate that very very much but you know you know what i love about it though and like i said there's still so much to talk about about your first statement but i love the fact that i mean not that people are surprised. I, I think once again, they're like, you know, Dustin and Cody still the show, but it, it, to me, you've always been one of the most underrated workers in the business. And the reason for that is because for the last three or four years, you haven't really worked too much. And when you were working, you really didn't do too much when you were healthy. You know what I mean? So when you get, when you got the chance for the spotlight, of course you delivered because you've been doing this pretty much your whole adult life. I mean, when, when you're, not necessarily held back, you know what I'm saying? But when there's so much going on and creative has nothing for you and you're sitting back there and you, you, you're pitching these ideas and they get to events, some of them, some of them do not, then, then finally you just have to go to events and pitch these ideas. And he says yes or no, and I, I get it and I understand. I know the deal. But when you're sitting back and you're, you're watching everything that you know you could go out there and do, and probably do better, it's frustrating to sit back there and just go, damn it, man, there's nothing at TV. Here I am, I have to travel. I have to spend all this money on hotels and rental cars. You got nothing for me. My, I love wrestling, man. It's in my blood. It's in our DNA. And it's just, I want to be 
you know, one of the best. I want to be remembered as one of the very best to ever walk away from the business. And I believe I, I've I've uh, left a legacy that's pretty pretty cool, and and it's it's good. It's not as great as it could be, but uh, I don't feel bad about anything that I've done in the business. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's it's all been there for me. Everything that I have done, I believe that every single time that when I do go out there. I never let the fans down. I put on a good show, even if it's three minutes, if it's 20 minutes. I mean, you go out there and you, you work hard, and that's my that's our work ethic. You give 110%. You don't half-ass shit. I don't half-ass stuff. You know, even when I'm in a damn bad mood and I don't feel like doing a certain something or what, you go out there and you perform because these people paid to see you, and they paid to, for a show, and you give them that show. You entertain them the best you can. earlier that that um, there's a lot of angst about the match because you're always told that it wasn't the good enough for the big show tell us a little bit of that about that because i know whether it was two years ago or three years ago whatever it was there was some talks or at least some desire for you and cody to have this match even on on wrestlemania i believe is what, what it was when you guys were talking about it tell us kind of what happened and why that match was denied well 2012 i think was the first time that i pitched it or 2011, I can't remember. I had the shoulder surgeries, and I'm, I, I was the producer at this point and backstage and in the meetings, and, you know, I pitched it in the meeting, and Vince just kind of scoffed at it, you know. And then, you know, you go on and you pitch it again the next year and the next. There, there's a big age difference in Cody and myself. There's 17 years, so there's not a lot that him and I have in common. I was there for him and in, in his high school wrestling days and, you know, when he was growing up a little bit. And I always look at it like this. It, when he was a baby, I put him on my, my shoulder, you know, when, when mom was busy in the kitchen or something to burp him. And, you know, and mm-hmm. for that split second, that, that, that moment right there, I was his protector. So I always felt like, you know, I am his big brother. I want to protect him. But Cody looked at me a little differently. He saw... I don't know exactly what, which caused a little rift between him and I. It could have been me falling out with my my father for for a short time and not being there and 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 just doing what I needed to do to to get my head clear. Maybe he didn't see that, you know. Um, but we weren't as close growing up as we should have been, and that's that's the number one thing that I want is to be as close to my brother now more than ever after this because I, I told him I would I would come in here and I would do this and he was he had some concerns because him and I had had our little problems sometimes in the past when we were tagging you know we if something wasn't done right I, I flew off the lid you know and I got a little hot-headed and I screamed at him and you know that that's not right I understand but when you're in the heat of the moment you want things to be perfect and things aren't perfect then then you lose your shit a little bit and I'm sorry for that. I, I apologize. I'm sorry, Cody, for doing that. But once I once I talked to Cody about, you know, these WrestleMania uh, matches, you know, we were wanting to do this on a big stage because we really believed in it. And we kept getting told, no, man, we kept getting told, no, it's not big enough. And I had that said to me more times than than I want to I want to hear, man. I mean, it's I think it's wrong. I think 
definitely you can go out there on that big show, especially, I mean, you look at the seven hour show that they put on. It's just, I watched this past year and the, you know, I was part of the, the year before that. And it's just, man, where, I mean, why not? Why couldn't be in here? There's, there's no reason why if you just got behind a story and you pushed it just a little bit, the interest would be there. And I think that over the years, us being told no, 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 that finally it came to head that the people were ready for it. Because our first match, we see, we weren't given the WrestleMania, we were given Fastlane, a first year pay-per-view. And it's like, it was horrible. Neither one of us liked it, but it was my fault because I chose a certain direction to go in that match. And we went in that direction and it just did not click. It wasn't special. It wasn't, you know, I think we were both like upset because it was not WrestleMania, man. And, and we, here we are stuck on fast lane, which sucked. And we weren't anywhere close to the main event. It was just like no story behind it. Put them out there. Let brother do brother. and see where it lays. And it was horrible. So years go by and, and you tell this story in this, this interview with me at the ranch. And then you tell Cody's interview and those two at eight minutes of, of uh, promo built this whole story for us, which was amazing. The people were ready for it. So like I said, the stars aligned for it. And, and we, we went out there and they were so into every single thing. It couldn't have been more perfect. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. And that's the thing. The fact that you used those, I mean, the, the whole angle was pretty much just pre-built with you mentioned two brief vignettes on social media no television no nationwide television no intricate weighed down promos or attacks the story was there and you know once again the fact that you had to come to a completely different company to tell this story and have this match i mean from the moment you guys got in the ring and stood there people started chanting this is awesome you didn't even do anything i know we, we probably couldn't have touched for 10 minutes and they were still that, you know, it's one of those to where you could look at somebody and jump at somebody and they'd pop. It was one of those instances mm -hmm. where anything we did in there, they're, they're going to get behind. It was very special, man. It was incredible. I, I could, I'm still amazed by it that, cause I wasn't sure what kind of reaction I would get in, in a, uh, a new arena with a new crowd that has been watching all these wonderful kids, man, that, that, uh, aren't part of the, the big system and doing their things and they're just so behind them. I was wondering, okay, how would they, how are they going to treat me a 50 year old old guy coming in here, trying to take some spotlight from the kids that are very deserving and they should be in, in this, uh, in this spot. And I was overwhelmed. I mean, I, I was standing there watching Cody destroy triple H's throne watching from the tunnel my nerves are shot man i'm trying to stretch out as much much as possible getting ready and they're popping at everything so my music hit and i walked out man and they popped and i was like oh, thank god you know <laughs> i was like holy crap thank god I, and just i did my thing man and it was 
it couldn't have been like any more perfect for me. No, it was because, because, like, I, like you know, like I said, man. I mean, when I think of your career, there's there's a lot of great matches. I mean, the, the it's always the classic Piper versus Goldust at WrestleMania, which wasn't a, a wrestling match per se, but as a spectacle, was you know whatever a five star performance is, that was that. But for you to have what could possibly be your best match ever on one of the most important shows in history, as probably the oldest guy on the show, I mean, that's something that doesn't happen very often, if ever at all. I, I agree. And, you know, like over the years, over the years, you know, the backlot brawl WrestleMania 12 kind of set the, uh, set the standard for me. And that was like a heart that, that set the gold dust off on its trailblazing path. And then, you know, we get to, we get to the shield and Cody and I, which was a very, another tremendously special moment with dad ringside. And Dean Ambrose out there and us doing our thing, man. And it, it was loud. It was electric. And then we followed it up with the pay-per-view, you know, and, or on Raw and, and winning the titles. And it, it couldn't have been more special. And then you fast forward to this. And this talks it all for me. I had I had three, three moments, three really special moments in the business. And that was the Sting Squadron and Dangerous Alliance War Games. That was the WrestleMania 12 Backlot Brawl and the Shield and Cody and myself. And now this. So that, that like, topped it all for me. And to do it at 50 was pretty special, man. I'm like, damn, I still got it. But it, And they say that a lot, but it's like I never lost it. You just haven't had that chance to show it. Right. And it, it's pretty cool, you know? When you first started doing uh, the thing with Cody, when you were trying, like you mentioned, 2012, I mean, Dusty was still was still alive. Was what did he think about about brother versus brother, or in his case, son versus son? Yeah, I heard a lot from like um, a few in the back that they didn't like it, that it'll never work, and things like that. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, you know, I've I've watched Owen and Brett, I've watched uh, the Hardy Boys, and and I've seen that it can work if you put a little bit behind it and you give it, you give it some substance and, and, and it organically grows because it is a brother versus brother. It is blood versus blood and it does attract in, in a lot of arenas. And dad never really said anything. He, he didn't, uh, he wasn't against it. He wasn't, he wasn't necessarily for it. Dad was more reserved in his thoughts of this and he got behind whatever his, his sons wanted to do. And, you know, I appreciate that, but I heard it from so many of my peers that I learned from is saying, man, it's just no good. It will not work. It will not work. And I'm just, it's like frustrating to keep hearing that over and over. And I think we proved everybody wrong. It worked. It worked. I, now I will say this right now, I will never, ever face my brother again, ever, ever. I cannot top that. That, that is like tops for me i wouldn't want to step in the ring with him again ever against him tell us about your path to, to, to get into AEW to begin with because as we know right now especially now with double or nothing i mean this is a war at least on on vince's part because there's guys that are asking for their release they're not getting it i mean uh, moxley's contract expired then he comes to AEW. so to, to get out of there now it's not going to happen anytime soon unless somebody's contract uh, 
you know, expires and they're willing to wait out the last six months or year of their contract, getting basically buried and, you know, jobbed out. You were kind of not working there at all. I mean, I know you were under contract and you were doing whatever you were doing, but how were you able to to come over to AEW? I was tired. And to me, you know, it was like I was deflated uh, a lot, terribly. And I wanted out. I wanted to go because I really want to follow my other dream, which is acting. I, I mm-hmm. think I can get in there and I've done a few, you know, uh, low budget independent films. I've got a couple more on deck and it's like, I want to try something else. I've done this for so, so long, 31 years and I love it. And it's my first love, but I want to go have some freedom to do some other things. Sure. And you know, there, there's some things that had happened that, that I wasn't really, that, that really just kind of bit me the wrong way. And I went in and I had a meeting with them and I said, look, I, I'm done. I'm tired. And I did not care. This is one of those moments where I did not care what they did, what they said. I wanted out. And, and there, it was emotional. I did cry. And I think that when they finally did give me my release, you know, they, they, we agreed that, yes, we're going to give you a release. And we'll give you, you know, well, we will pay you up till your injury's done because I just came off those double knee surgeries. And then we'll give you the 90 days and we'll pay you through that. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. No problem. And I get out of that meeting and I walk back to the, or I, uh, I'm in the car and I'm driving back to the uh, hotel in New York to fly out because it was like an in and out thing. And I get a call back from Hunter and and we're just talking just a little bit. And, and uh, you know, it's, the tears are coming and it's emotional. And he, he was thanking me for everything that I'd done for them and, and for him because I'd known him a long, long time. We hung up the call and all is well, you know, and then the legal battle started. And I just let my attorneys take it over. And it was it took forever. And, and I know it was a long process. And when I find that, D, that D-Day came to where... I'm finally released, man, what a freaking weight that was lifted off of my shoulder. It was incredible. And I immediately got so much happier. And it was just like, because it it was stressful. It was, uh, I haven't been happy in a while. You know, I lost my passion in a sense for, for our business. And, And that's, that's terrible, man. It's horrible. And, something like double or nothing happens and my, my uh, passion for and love for the business was reignited. It was incredible because I freaking love talking about it now. I just, I'm, I'm excited about AEW and what, what the future holds and what they are going, going to do because they're going to be great, man. They're good. God dang it. It's a special time. And all those kids that I saw for the first time, a lot of them, I knew a lot of the production crew, I know, but a lot of the kids, man, they're so happy and you can tell that they're hungry. And that's important, man, that they, these guys are showing up to work and they're excited about it, you know, creating something that is brand new right out of the shoot and knocking it out of the park. And they're, they're passionate and they're hungry, man. And to see that and all these kids, man, it was just it was unreal. It's a special, special time to be in the wrestling industry. And AEW right now has got they're riding on the tip of a lightning bolt, man, and they, it's going to be kick-ass. 
It's amazing too when you think about the fact that you know all you mentioned all those kids and you got the whole roster, which is such a young roster, which is great in their twenties and thirties. They're going to need some guidance from guys like myself and, and from guys like you that have been doing this for so long and see things in a little bit of a different way, but also have a young mind to the business. And, and what I say, a, a young mind in your case, similar to mine, is the process of reinvention and not just staying the same your whole career. You've constantly done that throughout the years, even with this new character and costume that you created for, for, for uh, AEW now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is very important. And, and you and I, you and I know how to do that. We know how to reinvent. We know how to have that longevity. And that's that's why we've been around for so long and still doing awesome things because we know how to freaking tell stories. We know how to get emotions out of people and to, to try to teach the kids with their young minds and their excitement and the way they do things to add a little bit of the old school in there, because without the, without the old school, there is no new school to me. That's, it, it's that simple. I mean, you've got to know how to tell stories in your psychology to do all the things I believe that all the, that they are trying to do that all the young talent are trying to do. And it just takes a little bit. It takes a look, it takes a feeling, you know, it takes a little extra, when you get hit, you know, you, you, you sell it a little longer or something, you know, before you go into certain things and makes the story so much better. And I, I know that you and I can, uh, yeah, the timing, the timing of things is so much different watching your match than, than some of the other matches, which is like you said, they're all excellent in different ways, but just watching you when, you know, you, you put Cody's leg over the rope on the second rope, you know, s- slowly look at the crowd. Like, is he going to go for a shattered dreams type of a thing? You have the timing and also the history where people kind of know what it is that you're trying to do before you even do it. Yeah. And I think I, I, I was talking to a lot of the kids because they were like, well, I want to try this new thing, you know, and I'm like, OK, have you have they seen this? Do they know what this move is? You know what I mean? You're expecting a huge reaction from something that they've never seen. You know, you got to use that now. You have to use this move. If you want to make this part of your rep, you have to use it constantly, constantly, constantly. You have to get that thing over so they know what's coming and they know that it's there. And I haven't done that Shattered Dreams forever, but they did remember. And I was like, okay, holy shit, this is cool. So I took my time with it. And timing is everything, like you're saying. And you and I have, over the years, gotten pretty damn smooth at everything that we do and it's nice to see somebody that is struggling with being smooth and you can help them and you see them grow and you see them get better and get smoother at at what you taught them that that to me is important for me at this stage in my career is to give back to to the kids that are really fighting hard and want to listen want to learn and teach them and see them see them excel and get better and better and better because they did it for me. You know, the old timers did it for me, man. And and they taught me and I listened and I learned and I wanted, I was hungry and it's only right that I give back because that's, that's what we, sh- that's what we should all do. You know, the older we get is to give back, but to still get ourselves over in the process, which you and I can do, we can do that. We know how to do that. Did you, um, where'd you come up with the idea for the, uh, for the new makeup uh, and the new costume? You know, me and Cody were talking about it and it was like, uh, what do we do? You know, he didn't want just Dustin, you know, he had his vision of what 
he wanted and he kind of left it in, in in ballpark of me and my face. He said, create something for your face. I'm like, well, okay, I get that. Advice. What are you looking for? What, what kind of, do you want me in trunks? Do you want me in jeans? Do you want me the old Dustin gear stuff? No, I don't want the cowboy uh, carny ass bullshit. You know, he would say, <laughs> he's always, don't give me the carny ass shit. We need you to look the very best you can. So I just started taking some of my old designs, you know, and then added, adding to some new stuff and, and doing a half and taking some of my old suits and trying to add to it, but doing without sleeves for the first time I've ever done. And I know I'm not an Adonis with my body and things like that. I'm the only Rhodes probably that doesn't have, well, Cody's the only Rhodes with abs, you know what I'm saying? But I'm, <laughs> right. Yeah. Not really a dusty trait either, for sure. <laughs> no. And I worked really hard for this. I was so focused and I lost weight and I was eating and training hard. And so I think I looked pretty decent in a suit. You know what I mean? I wasn't, it wasn't, my belly wasn't sticking out too much. My boobs weren't sticking out too much. So, <laughs> and I had sleeveless for the first time because I wanted to show off my ink and things in the half face, you know, so that's kind of what we came up with. He said, you're the artist on the paint and all that stuff. So come up with something. So I did it and I showed him some pictures of it and, and he loved it. Tony loved it. And, and that was kind of all it, you know, that, that was it. It's almost like uh, I love the red and black. It's almost kind of like a, a Darth Maul type of a look. Yeah. And I looked at the Darth Maul. I looked at Darth Maul because a lot of the gold dust, one of the one of the paint jobs I did for the Gold Dust character was kind of Darth Maulish, but if I did the Darth Maul just like Darth Maul, I just reversed the colors. You know what I'm saying? I, I reversed mm. the colors so it wouldn't be just a complete ripoff of Darth Maul, right, right? And added just a little bit here and there and put some silver in there. And I think I think it uh, it came off pretty good, man. You know, I, I th I'll tell you this: as soon as you did that first promo. And they had shirts available. I I, I called uh, Ryan over at Pro Wrestling Tees, and I was like, "Can you send me one of those new Dustin shirts, please?" And he sent me one. I just like, I think it looks so cool with the image on the on that black. Oh, thank you, buddy. When you're talking about acting, um, just kind of a brief. I couldn't not talk to you and not have a little bit of about the actual Goldust character because you mentioned how you loved acting. I think you played that character so well, and it's funny because when people think about you know, long-term WWE gimmicks that are the classics. Undertaker comes to mind and Kane comes to mind. And you had a couple, you know, trips in and out of the WWE. But I'd have to say at this point in time, Goldust is one of the, the best gimmicks that was ever created in the WWE just from a longevity standpoint, if nothing else. Right, right. So I guess my question is, how did that come about to you? Was that your idea? Was that Vince's idea? Because at the time, people forget just how controversial the original gold dust was well you know i i think i just gotten let go from wcw and and i'm sitting at the house wondering you know what's going to happen because i am pretty young at this point and you know i get the phone call from vince and bruce pritchard they're both on the line they got me on speaker and they start saying you know we want to bring you up maybe and and do this character and they start explaining the character gold dust to me and it being androgynous. Now, I don't know what that word means. <laughs> I had no clue what that word meant. You know, I'm just, I'm agreeing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, man, let's let's do this. Because, I mean, I, I was hungry and ready to do something new. I kind of wanted to step out of my dad's shoes a little bit and create something on my own. And, you know, we've made all the, the plans to get up there the following week for the meetings and with all the, 
the big ups and and I hung up the phone and I immediately ran to the dictionary and I looked up androgynous and I'm like, what the hell? You know, my <laughs> my jaw dropped and Terry was upstairs and I and I walked up and I said, Vince wants me to do this. And I showed her the word and, and she said, awesome. You know, and she just went about her 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 day uh, doing her stuff. And I'm just like, OK, you know, I'm a, a, a natural as a cowboy, you know, from Texas and. So I went up there anyways and had the meeting and sat down with the music. We came up with the look. I really was, I loved the paint and I wanted to, he wanted more like a Adrian Street kind of makeup on the face. And I said, man, I really would like to do paint, you know, because I've always admired Sting's makeup and his paint and the way he did things and, and the Muda and Kabuki. And, and I love that. And it's just like, so we we agreed to it. So we got this look. They made a suit. I flew back up again. Everybody's sitting around Vince's big round table, man. And I walk in in this garb and this get up. And they're just like, oh, God dang, that is money. And they're just like, you know, they're making you feel good. They're just they're all making you feel good. So we were off to the races. And Vince, you know, he pulled me to the side several times. He's like, you're going to get a lot of a lot of dislikes and a lot of flack from the boys, from the fans, from the crowds. You ever have a problem, you give me a call night or day. It does not matter. So, you know, I did more than more than one occasion, but for the first like six months of the gold dust character. So I'd been a baby face and now I got to be a heel and learn a character. And I really have no idea how to do either of these things. And I didn't want to be androgynous, okay? So wearing a wig to the ring was enough for me at this point. So I'm doing everything that I know how, and they put me in there with the likes of Bob Holly and stuff like that, and they're trying to teach me a little bit on what to do, but I'm getting no crowd reactions whatsoever, not what I need. And it, it boils down to we get to Madison Square Garden, and I'll never forget it. And Vince is there. This is when he would still go to some of the live events because he's like one of the boys, you know, and he's at the curtain and you could joke around with him and have fun with him. And he was happy all the damn time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> and he's standing at the curtain and I have an IC title match. I was their champion and went out with uh, Sabio Vega. And Sabio, before that, you know, a month before that, we started working and he was like, really trying to talk me into doing some of this over the top stuff. And I just did not want to do it. And finally he talks me into do it, but I'm thinking to myself, well, Vince is going to do one or two things. He's going to fire me or I'm going to get fined. And, you know, it's like, but he talked me into it. So I'm like, okay, so we have this spot for the first time now for the very first time in, in New York city, it was predominantly uh, Puerto Rican. And here's Savio Vega from Puerto Rico. And we go out there and we lock up. He says, I want you to go behind me and rub up and down my chest, down my body. And then I'm going to push away from you, turn around, look at you, and you just scurry out of the ring. So I'm like, okay, fine. So we lock up. I go behind him. I do the thing. He pushes off. He turns around and looks at me, chases me. I run out of the ring. The place erupted for the first time in, in my gold mm. dust career. It was deafening, man. I was like, holy shit. And I was like, 
damn, that was, that was uh, pretty easy. And I'm looking at Savio and I'm still outside the ring walking around. I'm just screaming and yelling at people and whatever. And I roll back in and I lock up with him again and he's laughing. And I'm like, what the hell is so funny, man? And I'm just like, we're, we're talking. And he takes me back to the corner. He said, okay, we're going to do something again. He said, turn around and rub your ass into my midsection and just act all sexual. So I did that. He pushed me off and he chased me again and they erupted again, man. And I was just like, there's a little bitty, two little things like that set them off. And we end up having just such a huge, great, better match than what we would have had if I would not have tried something and stepped out of my little comfort zone and did something new. And I did that and it was like surprising. We tear up the house, man. I mean, we have a hell of a match and I get to the back and I wasn't used to my vinyl suits yet. So I'm unzipping, I'm laying on my back on the ground, blowed up sky high and Vince kneels over and he goes, holy shit, that was great. God damn it, Dustin. Hey man, you want to, you want to go back out there and get some meat? We'll bring it back. We'll sell this son of a bitch out next month. And I'm just like, okay. So I zip up and I walk out there and I walk behind Savio and give him a nut shot, man, and hit him over the head with a belt and walk out. <laughs> next month we sell it out. You know, it was just like, it was unreal. But Vince was, that's how Vince was back then, man. He was so excited about things and he was in your face, man. It was like, he was helpful. You could you could approach him, you know. He's approachable because he was there constantly, and it was just uh, that's that kind of set off the Goldust character, man. And then we we ran for it as long as we could, and it was a hated ass character for a time. It's interesting what you said, as 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 like I mentioned, I remember that those times where Vince would really be on you, and really giving. You know, I, I think when people think about Vince now, and obviously he's still Vince McMahon, that never changes as far as his, his mindset and his, his brains and his genius. But when he was super involved and super engaged, there would always be little ideas coming back and forth from him where you'd be like, where are you coming up with this stuff? Okay, I'll give it a try. And you would give it a try. And it would just be this amazing, you know, amazing moment. He had great, great ideas and feedback uh, and was always kind of out and about amongst the boys giving it for that time frame. Many, many times he he would say something to me. And, and, and just like you said, man, like, where did you come up with that? But I would do it and it would work. And I'd be like, holy shit. Okay, I would have never thought that in a million years. So in that aspect, man, he's genius. But like when I first started doing my movie set promos, he was hands-on with it, man. And he was like, your voice is not low enough. It is slow down because I'm I'm doing teleprompter reads and he's like trying to get it really perfect. And he worked on different voices and different uh, mannerisms and things. And he really helped me through that for the first, uh, first little bit in, in my promos. And it worked. And then I started doing them and you know, they brought in the Russos with a sick ass mind and, and writing all this crazy, just really sick stuff. And I was pulling them out and I was making them sound so overly sexual and just really crazy like. And I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome, man. It's really, and the people are eating it up. And, you know, it's just from Bents and his creations and what he has a vision for and what he sees that you can do. And he starts working with it and, and, and stays behind you. Because that's one thing with Vince. He always he said, I'm going to go with this character and we're going with it. So I always remembered that, you know what I mean? That 
whenever you know, whenever I would do something wrong, of course he would yell at me or scold me, and we would have a discussion and things like that. But he always he never backed down. He let me go out there and really create what he created and make it better. And that's important for you know the kids to learn now is that yes, they're going to give you the tools right here, but it's what you do with these tools that's going to take you to the next level. And whether you step out of your comfort zone like I did. And you, you create some magic on your own. That's what's going to set you apart because a lot of a lot of the guys right now. And I wrote a little thing on Twitter yesterday because it stuck with me. What Tony Khan said about promos not being scripted is they give you a script and you're reading it and say you're this you say you're Kane. Right. And you're reading this script. Well, this isn't the way Kane would read this. But if you're just reading it straight off the script that this writer wrote you and you have no substance, you're not giving me anything extra it's bland it's the shit you have to make your promos your bitch you have to make them your own your character what would your character do would you say this shit no <laughs> tear up that shit throw it down take three points out of it and make it your own and just kind of let it organically grow into something man you gotta not be scared you gotta not be afraid to um step out of that circle and I don't keep saying that, but I think it's important that they step out of their comfort zone, man, to get something over. Because if they stay in there where it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to stay right here. This is good enough. Bullshit. Let's make an impact. Let's do something different. Step out. Well, and you have the option to do that now in AEW, whereas, I mean, when you first started doing the Goldust character in the WWE, there wasn't writers giving you scripts to play this character. It would be a couple tips from, from Vince or whoever's producing the segment, and the rest is pretty much up to you. Exactly. Yeah, give me some stuff to say, and I have a movie quote, right? So I do this movie quote in a sexual way, and then everything else just kind of falls in place, and you start talking about who you're working because it's, with that movie quote, you know, so everything meant, meant something, but they give me a script, you know, and I would look at, okay, what three points do I need to hit? And I would hit those in order, but really make them the gold dust, gold dusty uh, character, you know, the, the, what, what I would say and how I would get there. So it's just like telling a story. It's like a movie. You tell a story with it and that is a lost art. I mean, I think it's a big part of what kids need to learn, man. Promos are everything. They want to feel. They want They want emotion. They want to be engaged. And here's another thing about Vince with lately, like the last couple of years in, in uh, WWE was uh, he doesn't want you to go over a minute and 20 seconds. I'm like, give me two minutes. Uh, you know, you got to keep them engaged, Dustin. Well, I can keep them engaged. I'm not a goddamn greenhorn. Let let me have my two minutes. I will keep them engaged. And if they fought with that, man, like crazy. I said, go back and tell Vince I want two minutes. And they were like, oh, no, man, he, he's not going to like this. But they were just scared to do anything wrong. Anything. If it's entertaining, Vince is going to be happy. You know, if you can engage the the crowd for two minutes, great. He's going to be happy with it. As long as you do what he wants a little bit and get there your own way, it's great. The point being, it shouldn't be a time thing. You know, whether it's two minutes or a minute or 30 seconds or, you know, it should be how much time do you need to get this point across? And like you said, let the guys who've had the 25 years experience, 30 years experience do that 
because this is what you know how to do. I hated that too. Like, oh, we need only two minutes. Well, this is two minutes and 35 seconds. Can you make it two minutes? It's like, I always remember Bullet Bob Armstrong when I was in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, did this promo, finished it, and people were saying, that's so great. And he's like, yep, no need to do a second take. That's as good as it gets. Don't get any better than that. So why do I have to redo it to cut 30 seconds off? I'm Chris Jericho. I can't have 30 extra seconds on Raw to get this point across and sell tickets. Exactly, man. You know? That's that's like really frustrating. When you, do, when you nail one, and it might be 40 seconds longer than what was allotted, and they're like, we need you to do another one. We need you to cut it down. It sucks. That is just, it's not the same, man. You nail one, you need to walk away, right? Exactly. And know that you've got all the stuff in there that you have to do, which, you know, to sell the tickets, which is what a good promo is all about. Let me ask you this. When, when you, I, I, like, you've been in and out of the WWE three or four times at this point, but the last few years has been mostly working for WWE, mostly working for Vince. It was really strange for me to be at uh, All In and be in the MGM Grand, which I'm not sure if I've ever worked there with WWE, but we've worked Vegas many times. But to be in a big arena and to see it's AEW and not WWE, it felt a little bit weird to know that I wasn't working for Vince anymore in the States on this high level. How did it feel for you to, 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 to not be working there anymore? Was it weird for you to leave WWE? It was it was pretty surreal, man, because I walked in the night before and they were doing some rehearsals of some, of some stuff and said, you know, still getting the set ready. And I'm looking at everything. I'm looking at the railings and the ring and the entrances and the big mat right there says AEW. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, holy shit, here I am. It's a different uh, backyard, a different uh, ballpark. And it feels good, man. And you're looking at the whole set and and I'm watching Cody. I think the one thing that I really loved was I'm standing there ringside and I'm not used to the cables, you know, because I've been with Mm -hmm. the ropes for so long. It's like, so it's just like the cables, everything you get in there, you're bouncing around and it's, it's, I'm looking around and I see Cody and he's got his headset on and he's, his paper, (laughs) everybody's running up to him and it's just, it's a good feeling. And I'm watching, I'm watching him. I'm feeling so good for him, man. And it's just, it's unreal because he's doing this and that with his hands, man. He's getting people over here and and looking at the two entrances. And I'm like, I like that concept. That's cool. And just from from everything, the whole look to everything, it was it was surreal. It was it was weird feeling, but it was also like, wow, this is cool. I'm glad I'm here. There was you mentioned emotion and at the end of your match, which we didn't talk about before with the promo with Cody asking to be his tag team partner. And you know, I don't need a friend, I don't need a ally, I need a my older brother. I mean, that that tore the house down. Like I said, whatever a five-star match is or isn't, that was a five-star performance and match because the emotion was so huge. People are legitimately crying in the crowd. Yes. That's something special. It it was, man. It was uh it was top notch. I mean, from start to finish. And the emotions, gosh, dang it, man. I mean, I still get chills. It's still so real to me right now. It's like I was squalling. I cried the next day. I cried that night. But I cried in my uh, inside the ropes with uh, Kenny Mack, you know, just mm-hmm. because I was still there. I was still in it. And, you know, you look around and you see people crying. It's like, and everybody is on their feet. And it's like, holy shit, the whole building is 
chanting this, chanting that, chanting this, chanting that. And then he lays out that promo, man. And, and it's like the hug. When Once you got that hug, man, it's like so real. And he started bawling. He'll tell you he wasn't, but I felt his body, man. I know his body. <laughs> and he was bawling. I'm bawling. We're hugging each other. Such emotional, great shots. The pictures I got, granted, most of them are freaking bloody. But it was... <laughs> It was like, damn it, man. It, it was so cool and so powerful. And people were putting in uh, dusty photos above us, you know, and mm. some photos that were really strong and cool. And I loved them. And they're powerful. Some of the pictures you look at, it, look at them and they're just like, they touch you, man. And, and these are like touching me. So I know they're touching the world. And it's just, oh, God, it's incredible. I mean, I can't say enough good things about it. Do you, um, are you the type of guy that when you're out there and the people are chanting Dusty and you're in there with your brother, do you feel a presence of Dusty or is it more of just like proud to be, you know, a Rhodes at this point in time? Because, you know, Dusty Rhodes, man, that's one of those legendary performers, characters, mentors of all time. And here his two sons are in there stealing the show. It seems very uh, poetic. Well, okay, you know, when somebody passes, I've always heard that sometimes you know, if, if, if times are right, then your, your loved one visits you or, or whatever it is. And, and I'd always been looking for that, you know, since dad had passed and I had never seen it until probably last year. Cause I always heard when a cardinal visits you, um, it's, it's a loved one that's saying, you know, Hey, I'm here. I love you. So I always, now I love that bird, that cardinal. Every time I see a cardinal, I know pops is near. But I had never felt anything like that. Cody, he, he, he told me he's never felt anything like that. And what he said to me the other night, you know, we were, we were texting last night because he's in Hawaii. And I told him that when I got to the ring and we're standing there, and before we even do anything at all, they start chanting Dusty. For that that moment, man, I, I felt his presence. I did. I felt him right up there in the rafters. You know what I'm saying? I felt him like hard more than more than any time. I, and, and I never feel him. And, and it made me so happy. And everything just disappeared, man. It was just like I was in the moment and feeling that. And Cody said he didn't feel that. You know what I mean? And uh, and I get it. I understand. And I hope that he does. But I felt it strongly. And it was uh, it was unbelievable, man. It's like, God, he was holding my hand. And I could do no wrong. He was protecting me right then. So it was both of us. He loved and was there for both of his kids. Because you mentioned earlier that you had some time where your dad and I didn't see eye to eye. But when he passed away, you guys were on good terms, right? The best terms, man. That's I great, mean, yeah. the best. It was a long, long time ago. And it should have never happened. And, and I think Cody had a lot of resentment towards me for that. Because of that, yeah. And that in it's it's a hard thing to talk about and to bring up um but for a few years it wasn't we weren't on the the best of terms and but we got past that and i think that's important for any child sibling whatever you may be you know you have one parent you have one parent one dad one mother you mm -hmm. you, you love them you take care of them you look past your differences and you get over it and you stay as close as you can until they're gone because one day they're going to be gone you know, and just like everybody else, there's there's no escaping death. And we're, we're all going to be there at some point. But 
stay as close to your your mother and your father as you possibly can and work through differences. And we did. We worked through our differences and we got really tight and really close. And we knew that boundary would never be crossed again. And we didn't cross it. And I'm I'm just glad I had many, many years of that left before he passed. There's so many uh, examples of people who've been on this podcast who said, you know, a lot of the guys that worked in NXT where Dusty was kind of the, you know, the coach and the mentor telling me great advice that Dusty gave him. Is there one piece of advice that he gave you that stands out to you about the business or getting in the business or how to get over the business? Something that, that you remember? It, it necessarily wasn't about the business. It was just in life, you know. You know, I went through, I think, when, when him and I were having that difficult time, I went through drug and alcohol addiction that was pretty heavy. I almost died. I, I was on, yeah. I was just as, about as bad as you could possibly imagine. And, you know, I just had enough. And I don't know if that's some kind of spiritual awakening or whatever, or rock bottom of a three-day bender. But it was like I'd had enough and I called him in the middle of the night and I said, man, Pops, I want I need to get help. And I'm squalling and I'm crying, drunk, up out of my mind. And he gets me into the, you know, the wellness program and, and into rehab. And I went and 11 years later, I'm clean and sober, sober. But it's like every single day from that point, I got out of rehab. He's he's like he will call me and he was like, you need to keep working your program, Dust. Keep working your program and keep stepping. So keep stepping is like a big thing for me that really stuck out that he said every single day to me, and I use it all the time now on social media. Keep stepping, and try to use it in my inspirational bullshit quotes. You know they're not bullshit, but it's like mm-hmm. just the the happy like feel better type. Keep stepping quotes. And that's the one thing really stuck with me. And it could be, we could be at dinner, we could be sitting watching an old Western movie or a baseball game. And man, you, are you stepping today? You know, you keep stepping. And it's always, I was always in his mind. He loved his children, all of us, very, very much. And he showed his love and it was incredible. And that's the one thing though, like you you were asking is, is that really stuck out in my head. And towards the end, Towards the end of the last probably seven years, he he would start expressing himself to me more about how proud he was of me and all the things that I had done. And, you know, you crave that as a son, mm-hmm. you crave that from your family, you know, from your mom or your dad. And to hear it from him means the absolute best. And it's good to hear because you always wanted it. And maybe you necessarily didn't get it in the past, but now you're getting it every damn day, man. And it feels <laughs> good. And thank you, Pop. I love you. And it's just so such a wonderful man, you know? Yeah, man. That's that's, that's some good memories there. It's, it's pretty cool stuff. Uh, just as we wind down here, there's, uh, we mentioned it a bit earlier, but I just want you to kind of give me a little bit of insight because you're talking about another legendary guy that's passed away that was a little bit more... Uh, you know, I had I had uh, knew Dusty a little bit, but I knew Piper even better. Tell us a little bit about that about that famous WrestleMania match slash fight slash street fight that you had. Because Roddy was pretty, uh, he could be pretty solid with his work at times, and that was a pretty solid looking fight that you guys had. Oh, uh, it was. Um, you know, I'm supposed to have the match with with uh, Razor, and th- you know, I did, I wasn't being told that much at, at this point just to go out there and do my thing. You know, I was supposed to have right. a match with Razor for a Miami street fight via satellite from, you know, WrestleMania and, and the Anaheim, California. So 
that didn't happen. So they put Roddy in there and we started this little angle. And then at TV events came up to me and said, I need you on a flight with me, Roddy and Bruce Pritchard tomorrow morning. We're going to LA. And that's all he said. And I'm like, okay, no problem. So, and this is like, I, I believe it was two or three weeks before WrestleMania. So we go out there and it's got the setup. I believe it was at Universal Studios. It's the back lot there. And it's got this little setup and a brand new white Bronco. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. But now I'm starting to think, this is the OJ stuff, you know, this <laughs> around when all the OJ thing happened. And um, I'm looking at the vehicle that I'm driving and it's just an old spray painted gold Cadillac. I mean, just terribly spray painted gold. It's awful. So I get in the car and I'm practicing a little bit. We really, this is a one take thing. So it's like, we don't really talk. We just kind of Vince goes over what he wants and wants me to, you know, hit, hit, hit the side swipe, the Bronco. That's really all he wanted me to do when I got out of there. That did not work. So we're ready to shoot and they brought in all these extras and they're standing behind the, you know, the catering table and I'm revving up the engine. And then Roddy Piper, man, he turns, I start heading down towards Roddy and he turns on this gigantic fireman's hose, man. It starts squirting, which I guess is supposed to make me stop in my tracks. So, <laughs> so I do. And then he turns it off and he grabs the baseball bat and he comes and bashes in the windows, man, glasses going everywhere. I crawl out the other side and he, and Vince, Vince was very adamant. He said, I want not one piece of offense. I, I just want one piece from Dustin. And that's when he gets away. And that was a nut shot. No offense whatsoever. So I'm like, okay, so Roddy's kicking my ass, man. And he's throwing me into these dumpsters and that aren't moving whatsoever. And just beating the dog shit out of me. <laughs> I wanted to get juice and Vince said, no. So, I told Roddy in, in, in private, I said, I want you to bust me the hard way. I want some juice in this thing. You know, if he's not going to let me get juice, bust me the hard way. So there's nothing can be said. And it gets to the point where he slams me on the hood of the car and he jumps up there and I said, do it now, do it now. And he rears back and punches me. And now you would think a veteran of Roddy's Roddy Piper's stature would know how to bust somebody open the hard way, but <laughs> right. he hit me freaking square in the forehead. I mean, hard. And I'm just like, God dang, man. I reached up. Nothing's happening. I said, do it again. I'm thinking he'll get it on the second one. He doesn't. He hits me same time. I mean, same place. And if you watch the video back, you can see his hand and it breaks. It cracks. You can hear it as it hits my head. And it's like, Good God. So I'm just, I roll off the car and my head is just like, I'm seeing stars, man. I'm pounding. He just beat the crap out of me. Finally, I get to the point to where here's my one chance. I give him the nut shot. He falls over. I jump in my car, glass everywhere is cutting, you know, it's just a mess. I start driving off. Now he's in front of me about 30 feet, I guess. And what's supposed to happen because I talked to Roddy because I'm, I don't want to kill Roddy Piper. Right. He's supposed to jump out of the way. He's supposed to roll out of the way because I'm trying, I'm aiming for him. And then that's supposed to veer me into his Bronco. But I miss Roddy Piper. That didn't happen. At the last second, I'm going, and I don't remember how fast I was going, but 
I look and I'm waiting for him to jump out of the way. And all of a sudden his knees just go, bam. And he's on the hood of the car and I'm looking. And it's like a deer in the headlight. Look, we're both looking at each other. I'm like, I just killed Roddy Piper. Oh my God. And I can't stop. He won't get off the car. So I can't hit the Bronco. He finally rolls off. And I'm just thinking to myself, I just killed Roddy Piper as I'm driving <laughs> off. And the back of my uh, Cadillac hits this dumpster, which starts rolling. So you see the camera guy backing up, trying to stop this huge dumpster from rolling into this freaking uh, Rolls Royce, the president of the Universal Studios Rolls Royce. As I'm driving off, I'm looking in the rearview mirror, seeing this all happen. And we get to the, the, the cut, right? And I'm kayfabing because I don't know these extras. And I know they think it's part of a movie or some shit like that. But Roddy's not there. He's upstairs getting cleaned up or whatever. And I come back and they're all cheering me. And I'm, I, and I'm working it, man. I'm not, I, I'm kayfabing like crazy. And I walk in and I'm watching it back and Vince is standing there behind me and I'm kind of knelt down. I'm breathing hard and, and my head hurts and there's blood from somewhere. And, and, and they're all like, man, you did an awesome job. And I'm not saying anything. So I decided to work on me. As soon as I saw the whole thing, I just got up and I grabbed something and I chunked it and they all just hushed. And it was great because I walked upstairs. I'm like, I worked those motherfuckers. <laughs> And I, and I walk upstairs and me and Roddy hug, but we, he takes us both to the hospital. I had a really bad concussion and he had a broken hand. So this is three weeks, two weeks before mania. And we get to Anaheim two weeks later and we're going through rehearsals and what Vince wants. And I was the IC champion and he didn't want to put the IC title on Roddy, but he didn't want me to lose it. So we we're trying to think of a finish. And, and I said, Vince, what if I go to uh, Fredericks to Hollywood and I get a lingerie outfit and I put it on under my suit? Roddy rips it off and you see me in women's lingerie. And he went, oh, my God, that's good shit. And, and I'm just like, <laughs> OK, so Terry, let's go. We're going to Fredericks to Hollywood. I, I go on the. I go in the big girl section and I get like a freaking six X or whatever it was, you know, and. I'm trying to fit on in this freaking store that sees it all. And, and I'm just like, okay, this, that, that's, that's the one. And we get there and it, it was crazy, man. This was cool. So we're, we're in the back of the parking lot and I've, the makeup was, had to do it just like it was, you know, two or three weeks before I didn't wash my suit. I got the thing on underneath. I'm supposed to go first. So they, they, they play the thing, they play a match, they see the O.J. Simpson scene, which they piped in there, you know, mm -hmm. and then you hear Ross and everybody go, well, where are they going? Oh, my God, are they coming to Anaheim, California? Jesus, oh, Jesus, they're coming to, they're coming to WrestleMania, you know, and you go <laughs> on to the next match, and then, then, then it's our turn, and, and I forget who was out there with us, but said, okay, go. And, and Roddy was supposed to give me a three-second head start. So I bust through the barricade, and I go down the ramp, how it curls around. And Roddy doesn't wait, man, because what Vince was wanting was for me to sling open the door, get out of the car, and at the last second, here comes Roddy, and he clips the door and takes the door off. Well, he was on my ass. It, it wasn't like there was no time to react. So I swung the door open as I stopped. And he slammed that bitch shut. So I had to crawl at the other side. And I crawl inside. And it, this is when they still had the tunnels. And then Terry's waiting right there at the tunnel. 
and I'm kneeling down and here comes Roddy. He's in charging, you know, cameras everywhere chasing me. And oh my God, I backed myself up through the tunnel like a dumbass. And here I am stuck in the arena and the crowd goes nuts. I mean, they're, <laughs> but it was not, it was not as loud as when those freaking bagpipes hit when those bagpipes hit man and he walked out of that tunnel like just kind of walking towards me that place was so loud i mean just crazy loud and i'm just like no please doing the old flare no stay away don't 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 come get me you know and and we have our little match we had a pretty decent little match for me and roddy and he tore off my clothes and that was history man i gave (laughs) i gave i gave my gold dust suit to his son that night, to Colt. I remember it. I, I don't know if he still has it, but it was it was a special night, buddy. Well, dude, uh, as we wrap up here, man, it was a special night then. It was a special night at uh, Double or Nothing. Um, you have the match now with Cody against the Young Bucks coming up uh, in, in, in a few weeks in, in Jacksonville. What's your plan, uh, Dustin, for, for AEW? Do you want to do more? Uh, is this the last match, or are you just getting started now with this newfound uh, inspiration? You know, I want to do this, and and I want to go into this tag match and and have a blast and do whatever I can for for the Bucks. They're probably going to kill me, <laughs> but yeah, I am open to some uh, definite talks about doing some stuff. You know, because I think it's a good time to be a part of something and to have somebody like us to be there mm. to help the the young kids along is awesome and, and that is definitely open for me definitely I'm, I'm i'm also wanting to do acting and things you know so i want sure, to keep of more open as much as possible and but man it, what a good time to be a part of aew right now yeah man it's a good time to, to, to be dustin Rhodes too because like i said that was a great match if you haven't seen it go back and check it out and uh i look forward to uh getting uh more time with you hanging out and doing more backstage lockups backstage power slams all the uh, <laughs> Dustin Rhodes classics. <laughs> or maybe, maybe some lion salts or something. I'll lay down there in the hall for you. Well, we'll get one of the young kids to do it. They're much more agile than I am. Oh, that's perfect. See, I like that. I like the way you think. And then we'll have our final match at uh, Double or Nothing 2 next year, and the loser just explodes into a puff of dust. I love it. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it, and I'll see you uh, in a couple weeks in Jacksonville. Thank you, pal. Cheers, brother. Bye. All right. Bye. All right, thanks to Dustin Rhodes. Keep in mind, Dustin and Cody are taking on the Young Bucks at AEW's Fight for the Fallen in Jacksonville, Florida on July 13th. I will be there, and that's right on the heels of AEW's next big show, Fighter Fest, on June 29th in Daytona Beach. Uh, going to be a pretty busy summer for me. Uh, AEW shows also headed to Japan this week for Dominion on June 9th on Sunday. Me versus IWGP Heavyweight Champion Okada in the main event. You can check that out on Fight TV or New Japan World. Uh, don't forget to miss that. And don't forget Fozzie playing Incarceration July 12th in Mansfield, Ohio. And then we're headed west. Unleashed in the West tour kicks off September 5th in Denver. We got Colorado Springs, Grand Junction, Colorado, Salt Lake City, Crystal Bay, Nevada, San Francisco, Sacramento, Los Angeles at the Bank of California Stadium supporting Iron Maiden, Las Vegas, San Diego, Tempe, Tucson, El Paso, Dallas, Houston, Hattiesburg, Atlanta. If you live in one of those towns or somewhere near there, go check out all the uh, ticket info and gig information at FozzieRock.com. 
Tom. Also buy tickets to Fozzie's amazing VIP meet and greet. Uh, we do it before every show. One of the best in the business. Give you a mini set. Take pictures. Hang out with you. Do all those great, great things that you need, that you want. FozzieRock.com. And don't forget to hang with us in Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at C Part De. Go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com for all that information. We are 87% sold out. Come join me, AEW, Ric Flair, Fozzie, so many great uh, uh, Hall of Famers, live podcasts, paranormal experiences, great rock and roll bands, comedians all across the board. Go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com and go get your cabin. Now, like I said, we are nearing sellout. 87% sold out. We don't go until January 2020. So if you want to join us, go check out ChrisJerichoCruise.com and book your cabin now. All right, coming up on Friday. A look at one of the biggest conspiracies in American history, conspiracy theories, depending what side of the fence you're on. Talking about the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. We've got special guest John Barber joining us to talk about the truth behind the murder of JFK and who committed it. Uh, According to John, who is an expert, an entertainment expert as well, it was not Lee Harvey Oswald. I'll tell you that right now. He has a whole theory and he's not afraid to get into it in depth, in detail. Wait until you hear what he has to say, the evidence he has to support it. He is 100% uh, uh, committed to the belief that it was a huge conspiracy. It was not Lee Harvey Oswald. The magic bullet theory is BS. It's all about the JFK assassination Friday on Talk is Jericho. Until then, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy. We'll see you guys on Friday. Oh, yeah.